on the field, and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Gabe Neitzel. That's right, it is Brewers Extra Innings from AmFam Field. I am Gabe Neitzel, pleased to be joined. He is the doctor of pitching. At least that's what <laughs> our friend Homer likes to call him whenever he joins Homer over on 94.5 ESPN. It is Jerry Augustine. And Jerry, any time, I mean, it, obviously tonight is disappointing, right? You, you lose the game 2 nothing. You have the opportunity in the ninth inning if you're the Brewers to, you know, potentially tie the game, take the lead, and it, you know, it'd be great to sweep a four-game series. But when you take a step back and look at the bigger picture, they took three out of four against Colorado. They got they did what they needed to do. They took care of their business in the opening series after the break. I think when you look at what this club wanted to do coming out of the coming out of break is number one, you want to start swinging the bat a little bit better, especially when you get in the late innings of the game and you see what they did on the first three games. They're really swinging the bat, adding runs when they needed to. Tonight they didn't they didn't do it, but you know what? They had the opportunity, had the bases loaded, had the opportunity, and Urias hits a line shot at second baseman. You want to get guys on base and apply pressure late in the ball game, and that's one thing that this this Brewer ball club has been probably deficient at throughout the year. And when you look at what they did this series, uh, going a little bit deeper in the ball games and putting pressure on the other other team, you got to like what you see. Yeah, and I would say that starts with Hunter Renfro. I mean, if he's somebody who can stay healthy now for this final two months of the season, he seems to me to be the guy that could be a difference maker in the lineup in terms of somebody who can hit the ball out of the ballpark, maybe get some more consistent at-bats out of him, where he can be that middle-of-the-order bat that can help push this offense to that next step. That's a good point, Gabe. You know, you talk about a guy like Hunter Renfro, and he's a little bit different when you look at it as a right-hand hitter. You talk about right-hand hitters who like the ball up over the middle part of the plate, and they drive the ball. I think when the home run he hit the uh, second game, the ball was up, a a fastball up in the zone, and he was able to hit a ball in the ballpark. First one was a pitch down in the zone. He's one of those guys that you could throw the ball down in the zone or in the plate. He'll go down and get it, and he can drive the ball in the ballpark. And when you have a guy like Hunter Renfro, there with a guy like Tellas on first base who can do the same thing. You got two quality guys there that allows that Christian Yelich, Adamas thing at the beginning of the order, get on base now and let's score some runs. Yeah, so well the Brewers did fall tonight to nothing. I got you know it seems like anytime you see that zero on the scoreboard for the Brewers, there are going to be certain part of the fan base they're gonna wring their hands a little bit Augie, but I just again I think you take the step back. I mean Freeland was so good tonight, so efficient. Um, and when you have a guy that's pounding the strike zone kind of like he was, you have some at-bats where guys you know, get out on a pitch or two. It's one of those things where when somebody's being that efficient within the strike zone and they're going through your lineup, you only walked one batter tonight, you have to make decisions early in the at-bat. If you, get, you think you have a good pitch to hit, you got to go after it and fortunately it just didn't work out for the You know, one of the biggest things in baseball when you talk about pitching, and pitching is becoming so important because our strike zone is a little bit different than it has over over the last several years, we see that elevated strike zone where Josh Hader is so successful, and these guys can throw the ball up in the zone. But what Freeland did tonight, he managed the strike zone on both sides, down in the strike zone, was able to elevate the ball when he wanted. And when you can do that and pitch ahead, I think baseball in today's uh, in today's way of going about playing the game is you have to 
pitch ahead. If you pitch behind in the count, you really got to make some exceptional pitches. We saw a really nice job tonight by Aaron Ashby. He got behind some guys, but was able to make some really good pitches and pitched outstanding tonight. But when you look at when you look at Freeland, always up on the count, always ahead in the count, and that really makes a big difference. Yeah, again, maybe burying the lead a little bit because Ashby was so good tonight. Unfortunately, he takes the loss his eighth of the season. But you know, it was, it was a big week for him. Got engaged. Got a nice little extension, and wow. then he goes out there, a career-high seven innings, throws 111 pitches, and, and he went out there tonight and showed that potential that the Brewers were looking to reward when they decided to give him that contract on Saturday. You know, when you look at the 111 pitches over the seven innings, a lot of, a lot of pitches, but you know the one thing you look 81 at... 81 strikes! It, 81, it's, it, that's a fantastic number for 111 pitches, but when you look at what he's able to do, and you know, here's a guy who's really in his first year of starting and getting in that starting rotation, get multi-starts, He's in that education part. When you talk about a guy like Corbin Burns, who's passed that, he's graduated, he's a, he's a doctorate now, and he knows how to pitch and make adjustments. What you talk about, Aaron Ashby, he's in that age where he's trying to understand his stuff, what it does on the major league level. Is it my fastball curveball? Is it my curve for fastball slider? How do I? What do I have to do to be a good pitcher in the big leagues? He's learning that each and every time he goes out, and each and every time he goes out, he gets better and better. But tonight, I thought he took that step a little bit further, like you just said, 111 pitches, 80 strikes. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's <laughs> you, pretty darn good. You and, want to talk about pounding the strike zone? That's right. That's exactly what he did tonight. He had nine strikeouts, walked just the one batter and again it's it's about kind of that growth that, that it's very similar to the contract i know over the last few days there have been a couple of articles there's one i believe uh and the journal sentinel kind of comparing what the brewers did with freddie peralta right you know february 2020 they give him the extension he rewards them i know freddie's injured right now had a nice little two inning stint trying to work his way back up to the major leagues this past weekend but they're kind of doing the similar thing so many times i feel that in, in baseball, if you start to get worried about something, you're probably focused on just one little thing. If you take a step back, hey, they've got Freddie Peralta. They've got now Aaron Ashby locked up under contract. You don't know what's going to happen with Burns in two years. Don't know what's going to happen with hey, with Woodruff in two years. But if Aaron Ashby can grow, you still have some depth behind those guys if they happen to leave a small market team like the Brewers. I think the Brewers do such a good job. I know they have the the, the lab in Arizona, which they use a lot, and it really qualifies what the style of pitches that these guys have. But it's like it's it's taking taking potential to another limit. And I think when you look, you talk to a guy, a guy like Aaron Ashby, he's right at that stage now where the quality pitches, the potential of those quality pitches is pretty good because he can reach back and get 97, 98 at times, but yet he's got that hard breaking ball and that slider and a little, that great changeup. He has a great changeup, but it's learning that taking that, that, that part where you've got the good stuff, now let's take it to the educational level of what's the best way that I can go out there and pitch to a positive way and pitch consistently consistently keep my pitch counts down and yet be effective and that's what he's going to learn through the starts he has the rest of the year you want to talk about having again you have the doctorate in pitching uh, accredited by homer i don't know if that's official at this point uh, Augie, but i'm still waiting i'm waiting for the diploma <laughs> yeah. well if you're waiting for from a homer i'll make sure i get, i'll talk to him tomorrow i'll get him on that but when you see aaron ashby pitch what do you see? What do you like? I find a kid that's very confident in what he has, and I, he's very confident in his fastball. And the one thing that I liked about him in the first year we saw him two years ago was the way he got out there and was aggressive in the strike zone. I think the first thing that a pitcher comes up, he first has to be physically be able to do 
things, and he has that, and he's got the quality stuff with all his pitches. But then it's that mentality. And that first year that I saw him in spring training, the mentality about saying, I'm going to be aggressive in the strike zone with all my pitches. I will learn where and when and how I'm supposed to use those pitches as I, I proceed and go on with my career. But right now, I'm going to show this ball club and this organization that I've got the pitches. And he did that. Now we got a few starts. Like tonight, I like the way he at times reached back and made really quality pitches with his breaking ball and his fastball. So now we're taking two things. We're putting them together saying, I do have the quality. What do I go about in my game planning each and every game to be better and better? And I think he's going to get better. That's one thing I think Chris Hook is very, very good at is game planning. And I think this is really going to help a young guy like Aaron Ashby. Does Chris Hook get enough credit? I think... Because, again, I just think about the young pitching staff that the Brewers have had and how it's grown. You think of this run of playoff appearances that they're on and the way that Woodruff, you know, kind of, okay, he's a reliever, now he's a starter. The way that Burns bottomed out before he had to come back and and now is a Cy Young Award winner, how much of that is is the, the... the Chris Hook effect of helping. Him. I think Chris Hook does an outstanding job in that he's been with these these kids for a long time. He knows he doesn't only know these guys as a Milwaukee Brewer. He knows them as people, and he understands not only he knows their families. He's been involved with them. He knows where they've been. He knows why they've been successful and what they, they haven't been. I think Chris Hook does one thing outstandingly. He takes what people do good as a pitcher and he makes it better. He took. Corbin Burns, who had a good slider, and he made it better. Now Corbin Burns has a slider, to, the, the, not slider, the cutter to slider, and a curveball, which makes him fantastic. Same with Woody. Woody came up with a little bit of a changeup now, but he's a velocity guy with his fastball. Aaron Lowry changes delivery to a simple delivery. Now you talk to a guy like Aaron Ashby. Here's a guy who's coming up. He's been with him young. He knows where he is. He knows how aggressive he is. Now it's that educational part. That educational part is the toughest part about pitching, is finding out what you do good, how to do it, and how to game plan. And I think Aaron Ashby is going to find that out each and every time he goes out the rest of the year. Yeah, I think there's still a lot to be excited about coming out of this series. Granted, the Brewers lost today 2 nothing to the Colorado Rockies here at American Family Field. They'll open up a quick two-game series with the Minnesota Twins beginning tomorrow night. We're going to continue to talk about tonight's game and this series. Look forward a little bit because that trade deadline, it's only eight days away. Next Tuesday is that trade deadline. We'll preview that with Augie as well. Coming up, on Brewers Extra Innings. Here comes Ashby. Got him looking. Curveball on the outside corner. Ashby with nine strikeouts and seven strong innings. Hey, Aaron Ashby wasn't the issue tonight. He did end up taking the loss for the Crews. They fall 2-0 to the Rockies here at American Family Field. Gabe Knight, so Jerry Augustine hanging out with you on Brewers Extra Innings. Great first start for Ashby following that contract extension that he received over the weekend. That was announced Saturday by the crew. 111 pitches, 81 for the strikes. Very efficient. Got after Pat batters tonight. Unfortunately, offense just not there for him as the Brewers are shut out. To Doug's point, if you want to hit us up, uh, you can call us, 855-616-1620. That is the talk and text line, the uh, Annex Wealth Management's talk and text line, like Doug does. So uh, let's see if you share the same concerns that Doug does here. Uh, this was bound to happen tonight. Rockies were due to beat the Brewers. But more importantly... Nothing against a left-handed pitcher again. To me, this is the number one thing that would be the Brewers' downfall. It was last year, and it lesson changes this year, too. Are you concerned about the Brewers' offense against left-handed pitching? I think uh, I always do. I'm a left-hander. I, what else would I do? You know? <laughs> but, uh, but, no, I, you know, they, over, the, 
over the course of the last few years, you know, you, we talk about the Brewers baseball team being a, a great second-half ball club, and they have been. I, I think Craig has done a great job of keeping everybody healthy, or they want to get healthy and be healthy and play well the second half of the season, but they have had uh, lefties. Most of the lefties that you get to face are the guys that really, they keep the ball down and make you hit the ball on the ground and stay ahead of hitters, and I think whether a pitcher's a left-hander or a right-hander, when they can automatically keep that ball down his own pitch ahead, elevate the ball when they need to, can be very, very difficult. And I, I just think that over the years, I think there's a lot of teams when you look at pitching that these left-handed pitchers, take the Clayton Kershaws and all these guys that come up, they locate the ball, they have a good breaking ball, they keep the ball down and they change speeds. And when you do those things, you can pitch successfully. They face a lot more right-handers. That's probably one reason you don't see it and you don't face a lot of lefties. But if you can pitch ahead, use what you do and pitch to locations, uh, you're going to be successful. And the left-handers, I think there's a lot of teams that have trouble with lefties. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the one thing that and I don't know if it's troublesome or bothersome. I would say more maybe it's just a bummer, is that Roddy Telez doesn't hit left-handed pitching all that well. And Roddy Telez overall is one of the best Brewers hitters you were just talking That's about right. it with him and Renfro, the way they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, this crowd, when, when Rowdy pinch hit tonight in the ninth against Barter Righty, I mean, this place came alive. You know, like, if the Brewers have a home playoff game and Rowdy Telez is going to get it at bat, you're going to feel the buzz. People love Rowdy Telez here in Milwaukee. But if it's up against the lefty and he can't be out there and it's Brousseau or whoever you end up throwing out there at first base, I know Victor Carantini's played out there a little bit as a switch hitter. You, you could put him out there if you want a right-handed bat. Craig Council's just trying to find something that works, and he's trying to throw as many righties out there as he can. And when you do that, maybe you're missing one of your best offensive weapons in Rowdy Tillett. Yeah, you you know you look what Rowdy does. He gives you a good at bat. He's just you know against a lefty, they can pitch him pretty tough, and he does have some problems at times. He swings the bat against everybody very well. I've seen him go up against lefties and have that real good at bat when he's really seeing the ball really well, and he'll take that left hand left handed breaking ball and he'll hit it to to left center. That's when you know he's seeing the ball really well. I think certain guys see the ball well off of left handers. You have to have a certain approach and system. Certain lefties like to pitch you on the inside. When a lefty from a, on the mound can throw you strikes on the inside, upper part of the plate, extremely difficult to hit because then they own that second half, that outside part of the plate. And I think that's what good left-handed pitchers are able to do with left-hand hitters, not only Rowdy, but you can get Christian and all the other guys in there also. But I think finding someone to, that can back up Rowdy, maybe go in there for that those times when you do face a good lefty is good to have because now you have Rody coming off the bench like you did tonight and had a good at bat. Oh, yeah. I consider the walk loading the bases a great at bat, so he can give you that. So it's going to be interesting to see what this Brewer Ball Club does with the trade trade deadline coming up. Uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to try to find someone, a veteran guy from that right side, can play a little bit of first base and and back up Rowdy a little bit? It's going to be interesting. Well, so the the one thing I, I'm going to ask, and this is what I want to ask the, of the fans as well, with the trade deadline just about a week away, you can hit us up, 855-616-1620, is the uh, talk and text line. So you can give us a call or shoot us a text with your thoughts here tonight how closely do you pay attention to the rumors that get out there in the media you know uh, you, you see different things about you know Juan Soto like there's an article today where a bunch of executives voted where is Juan Soto going to end up and there was actually one person that said the Brewers now granted I mean the, the favorite I think the the Padres had eight votes the Dodgers had seven but there was one person out there that said the Brewers I highly doubt Juan Soto is going to end up in a Milwaukee uniform, but when rumors are swirling and you start hearing names, how much of that do you pay attention to? Do you, do you try, allow yourself to 
picture someone like that in the Brewers uniform, in the Brewers lineup? You know, it's so funny today with the, with the media, the way it is. They hear, they get so much information that you know a lot of times you see names going all over all over the place, and uh, I don't take much much credit to that. I think the general managers and I, you know, we have we are so blessed. David Stern's a man, Arnold. They turn every rock is turned over and under, and they know what's what's out there and what they want to get. And it's not it's getting a guy who can fit your club and your club uh, the way you're going about playing. So I think when you look at those guys, they do a great job. But I don't take too much into what you hear. They're fun to have. That's what we're, we are. We're sports fans, and we're sports fans, and we're supposed to we're supposed to make trades. And maybe one of them will come true. But in that person, it does come true. Everybody's going to say, "Hey, let's go talk to him." He just talked about this trade that happened. But I think there's a lot of movement up there. I think there's a lot of talks. But I, when it comes down to it, you very seldom see the trades that that people talk about actually being made. I'm I'm curious to see what the Brewers do at the deadline because the guys that you just mentioned, Matt Arnold and David Stearns, they've done such a good job. They've, they've always been active. Maybe it's not a huge name that they add, but I mean, last year adding Escobar was certainly something. A couple of years ago, they had Mike Moustakis, and I wonder if they're going to have to get creative if they want to add a good bat the way they added Moustakis and were able to kind of shift some things around and have you know him play second base, even though he's a third baseman by trade, um, to make it all work with Travis Shaw at the time, because that's what they needed to do. I'm curious to see what they do, because when you look at this roster and you look at what's potentially out there, you know, I, I know Josh Bell is a name that gets thrown around. Well, if Josh Bell comes, well, what are you going to do with Rowdy? Well, one of those guys is going to have to DH. Well, is Andrew McCutcheon able to play the outfield more than he has? Because I know they like using him in that DH spot. You know, give him that, that rest day on his legs. And I, I just wonder if they end up being creative in the way that they are. Hey, this is a bat. We need this bat. We'll figure out how we get in the lineup once he gets here, but I think this bat's going to help us out. You know, Gabe, you brought up a great point because sometimes I think that's what they, they look at and say, you know what, Where, what is going to help our team? How can we benefit? And if you look at what Dave Stearns and Man Arnold do, is they, uh, along probably Craig is involved in it also, is they look for versatility. A guy who can do multi-things. And If he can play third, he can definitely play second. You know, if he can play the third base, can he play outfield? And they'll move guys around like they do with Chase Kessler, Peterson. Chase Peterson, who is been dynamite for the Brewers and can't wait for him to get back. But I think what they're going to do is they're going to look at what they can get that can help this ball club. If it, they feel if they can obtain somebody, no matter who that is, and for the right price, and they can maintain this ball club the way they have it, and they can get him and he, they can add a piece of make this team better, they're going to do it. You just saw him do it with a Jake McGee. Oh, yeah, we you, didn't talk you, about Jake McGee. You he look, had another great outing tonight. You look from the left side and you say, oh, my God, you look at Josh Hader and you got Milner, Hobie's doing an outstanding job. Suter's throwing the ball outstanding right now. Now you add a McGee to it? Now you got you got four lefties in that bullpen who are dynamite, where we used to never have a lefty in the bullpen. So you're looking at how can you build this team up with good quality people. Let's get the quality people, then we'll figure it out. And getting a J, uh, Jake McGee who's really already starting to throw the ball really well in two outings, that's a big positive. And he can, he helped the uh, Giants last year. He could be a big part of this ball club the rest of the year. 31 saves last year. That's now, right. He, he struggled. His ERA was north of six, which is, and he's a little bit older, which is why the Giants decided to move on, but why is it, especially out of the bullpen, we see this happen, I wouldn't say it happens all that often, but you see somebody where he had a lot of success last year, for whatever reason it's not working out, 
But why is it? Does the change of scenery seem to work in baseball more than it works in other sports? Well, I think there's, there's something to do. And here we go to the the Chris Hook theory a little bit, and the and the pitching coaches theory a little bit. The scouts see something, and when they do, is they they David Stearns and Manarold, they go through it, and then they talk about it. But yet, I think when they they get to that point, what are his deficiencies? Where is he struggling? Can we make him better? And they've already said the first thing they did is they had a bullpen session with him, and they found a couple little things in his delivery that really just made him relax a little bit and he came out the last two nights and just thrown the ball very very well and I think that's got a lot to do with it they may see something that they feel that they can help that pitcher with a veteran guy who can make those adjustments and they go out and get him yeah six outs in his two appearances he's faced six batters and nobody's made solid contact no very good yeah so he's he has come in and and that to me is one of those sneaky moves it's not something that grabbed the headlines you know, it's not something that, you know, everybody in, in the national, who man, this. But to me, I look at that move, Augie, and I go, I think this makes the Brewers' bullpen that much better because, you know, I think you saw it at the end of the, uh, of the first half before the All-Star game with Josh Hader. The Brewers ask a lot of Josh Hader. He That's comes right. in, they, they play some tight games, and, you know, down the stretch, you want to make sure Hader's ready to go for the postseason. Okay, well, that means you put Williams in that spot, and then that means maybe Boxberger moves up. Then, well, man, what are you going to do in the seventh inning? I think that you can take McGee as a guy who had 31 saves last year. If you really wanted to, I think you could put him in the ninth inning. If he continues to pitch the way he has the first two times, if you wanted to, he could be that spot guy in the ninth. You could keep Williams in the eighth. You could keep Boxberger in the seventh, or any combination of those guys. I think he is going to pitch some high-leverage innings for the Brewers once we hit August and September. The one thing I really like it a lot, I always think in the bullpen, you you, you have your bullpen, and every year a bullpen changes. And this year with the Brewers, with the four lefties they got now, is the looks that they give you. Let's take a look. Josh Hader, low, uh, side three quarters, way from the left side, 89, 98, 99, good slider. Gives you a certain look from it with his delivery. He tucks and drives, the, drives at you. Hobie Milner comes down, comes down below. You get a Suter. Suter had, can't throw us a tailing fastball, but he can throw a cutting fastball, a different look. Now you bring on really a true left-hander. You bring on McGee. McGee is over the top. He's a traditional lefty that gets that ball in on a left-hand hitter, good slider away, good breaking ball away. That gives you four different looks from the left side. That's pretty quality. Now you've got four different looks you can bring into a game. That makes those guys that more exciting and makes your bullpen that much better. Yeah, and, and none of those guys are the you know left-handed only. I know that went away, but I mean these guys are versatile. Where because they can move the ball, like you were saying, against lefties and righties, these guys can both be, uh, all four of those guys, I should say, are effective against both lefties and righties. I will continue to take your calls and text 855-616-1620. How much do you pay attention to trade rumors a week out? Do you allow yourself to imagine? Plus, I've got some concession questions I want to ask Augie. We'll dive into those coming up next on Brewers Extra Innings. And Adamas. Bouncer hit to the right side to second. Hard. The rally just came up short. Brewers had him loaded in the ninth down two. Ultimately could not get that run across Luis Urias. 
Uh, did a nice little job. He fell down to the count 0-2, fought back, lined one out to second base, though, to end the game. Brewers fall 2 nothing. This is Brewers Extra Innings. I am Gabe Neitzel, along with Jerry Augustine. We're taking your calls and texts, 855-616-1620. Let us know how much you're paying attention to the trade rumors, if you're allowing yourself to imagine any of the names that come out there. And I just don't see any of the names out there being significant names that are going to really change the lineup. You know, like somebody like Andrew Benintendi, you know, who's an all-star for the Royals this year, real good, right. player, real good hitter. He's got three home runs this year. You know, the, the one thing I feel the Brewers are missing is that quality number three batter, that, that guy that you know you're going to put in the middle of the lineup, you can build the lineup around, and those guys are hard to come by and typically aren't available at the trade deadline. Not to say Benintendi couldn't help this Brewers offense because having a lefty who puts the ball in play certainly is going to help any team, but I, I just don't know if that high-impact guy that's going to drastically change what the Brewers offense is is out there. Well, you know, you, just, you, you take that, you know, Gabe, you just talked about that high-impact guy who can change what you're, what you're doing right now. So hard to find in the middle of the season, number one. Number two, you're going to have to give up so much. The yeah. Brewers, are the Brewers willing to give up? up any of their pitching. they got such great young pitching. They have the best pitching staff in all of baseball. It's clear and cut. I have said it all year. I still believe it, and I think when they get healthy, they're going to be even better. So are you going to dismantle any part of this this bullpen or any part of this, this starting rotation to, to make yourselves better? But it's going out and trying to find that guy, that guy that can, like, you go out there like, a, like a Andrew McCutcheon, those style yeah. guys that can come in, and really they're very effective yet, but they can give you those good bat, those those good ABs. They're good in the clubhouse. They understand what it is to play for postseason. And those are the guys I think that you have to look for that you don't have to give up a lot. You might have to give up a young player that's down the road a little bit, but to give up a top-notch player, something I don't think the Brewers want to do. Yeah, you think about the guys that they've added and I think you, you mentioned McCutcheon and pretty much everything you just said of McCutcheon I think you can describe for Willie Adamas I know right. you know people want to criticize the batting average for Willie he's still got 20 home runs and to me he's the heart and soul of this team you want to talk about wanting to play in the postseason understanding what it takes to get there Willie Adamas you know I who knows where the Brewers would be without him yeah he's you know he's just that he's that that born leader and just comes to the ballpark every day, wants to play. He's the guy you look to for this ball club to be that that captain on the infield, and he does give you those good at bats. Now, is he swinging the bat with the the same way he did last year? I think there are times he has some struggles. He's had some. He's had a little bit of injury. It's I don't think the injury has a whole lot to do with it. But I think as we go along, it's that when you get into that month of August and you get into September, where you it's the gears change a little bit. It becomes not just seasonal playoff, seasonal games. It becomes that seasonal playoff games and that makes a big difference and last year he was fantastic big part of how this Brewer ball club played at the end of the year and I think some of these guys McCutcheon and who's been there before and you, you take uh, uh, all these guys up and down like Christian Yelich great at bat tonight in the ninth inning these guys are going to be, be so important that they take that veteran leadership that knowledge and they go out and they play the way they're supposed to Six, uh, excuse me, uh, 855-616-1620, that is the talk-in text line. So one thing, not baseball-related, that was circling on social media, don't know if you saw this, Augie, but there are a lot of people out there lamenting the Choco Taco. 
Apparently, Klondike is discontinuing the Choco Taco. It is going away. People are upset about this. So I thought it would be good to ask the fan base out there, and you can hit us up again, 855-616-1620. What is the best ballpark food, and what's the most overrated ballpark food? Oh, my gosh. I, I like it all. I I'm, I mean, if you, I, I, you know I, me, I knew you weren't. Do you see me? <laughs> I mean, I know you can sit here talking talk oh. baseball all day. I threw you a little curveball oh in there. The first thing, the first thing I, when I left the house tonight, night i said to the wife is i'm going to have a brat and it's my favorite it's always been my favorite when i can have brats on the grill i don't need anything else but uh i just i guess i'm an old timer sure but they they have you come to this ballpark it's like it's an event because you're not only coming to watch a ball game you got to figure out what you're going to eat oh yeah and it's so good Uh here the food they've done such a great job with we're putting up types of food and everywhere you go the venues are so great uh I could live here. I could just pitch a tent outside and just oh, live here. And you could have a different type of meal. Like Absolutely. You could, you could rotate through. I didn't even know. I came to a game. Um, uh, it was during the Cubs series, before the All-Star break. Game, uh-huh. game came out. I'm like, oh, what am I going to have for lunch today? I didn't realize that they had like a, an Italian beef station <laughs> down by like the craft beer area. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm having Italian beef oh, today. we got to try this oh, out. My it was God. fantastic. doesn't get any better than that. It is. And every time you walk, just it's so much fun because there are times when I'm doing the the TV stuff, I would take off and I would not go back up to the press box. I would walk around because it's just in amazement the different types of food. You get hungry and you say, what am I going to eat? You you take about five steps and you look, oh, I think, I'll, no, I'm going to take another step. You take one more step, you're seeing something else you like. It is. They have done such a great job here with their menu and the things that they do for the fans. Uh, it's just so neat to be here, to come to the ballpark and enjoy. You're not only going to enjoy the game, but you're going to enjoy the food also. Oh, yeah, the food is absolutely, again, you have the traditional ballpark food, and more and more ballparks are getting away from the traditional ballpark fare and offering a little bit more. That's and, right. And I think what the Brewers have done, because, I mean, some of the stuff gets pretty extravagant. I mean, yeah. I, you know, some of the things that other ballparks have done with, with the big offerings that they have, but what I think the Brewers have done is have found a really good middle ground of having a higher level, um, you know, type of offering. If you look around, you can certainly find it throughout the stadium, but you can still also find that traditional ballpark fair that, that you're looking for. It becomes, when you come here, it's so neat. We have it so so good here. You know you're going to have a baseball game. You can come from anywhere. The game is going to be on. But not only that, you know when you come here, you can find all the exterior things for, from things for, for adults to children. There's always something to do. So we've been talking a little bit about the trade deadline, which is just about a week away. And we have a text here on the text line, 855-616-1620 from the, 9, 1, from the 920. Do the Brewers have the farm system to get Juan Soto even if they wanted him? And that's, so that's the first thing with Juan Soto. Um, but before I even get to the farm system, which I think the Brewers would be able to put together a pretty compelling package. I'm sure they could, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure they would also have to give up you know, a young pitcher under control. Maybe the guy we saw tonight in Aaron Ashby. Maybe that's Freddie Peralta. But the the Astro, or excuse me, the the Nationals are going to want young players that have potential. You know the way that Ashby and Freddie have shown, and are still under team control. But you're going to give them all those prospects. And Juan Soto just said no to 440 million. You're probably going to have to give Juan Soto a big old contract that starts with the number five. Probably. <laughs> I, I just Probably. don't I don't see that coming from this from the Brewers. Again, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. When Juan Soto became available, did I dream about Juan Soto batting third in this oh. Brewers lineup? Yeah. 
It's hard not to. But it's just, it doesn't seem realistic. I think the Brewers could put together a really attractive package. Um, you know, they just have a great prospect uh, in Choro who just got called up to, to, to high A. So if you want to go up to Wisconsin, check him out check, up in Appleton. 18 years old, youngest player in that league. I think they could put together a really attractive package. Ultimately, I don't think that they would want to do that because of the way they have to operate. And they have to have a lot of those young players come through the system. So they have players that are under their control, under more manageable contracts. Uh, and I just don't think that they'd ultimately be able to pay Juan Soto $500 million. I, I, I think the price tag is a little too high. <laughs> I, the, the First of all, I think when you talk about the players and the, when you talk about what the Nationals are trying to do, they, nobody wants to rebuild. The word rebuild is a, a word that I think if they could take it and just erase it from the English language, they would baseball would do that. And they want to find out the fastest way you can get to be a quality ball club. And I think when you talk about the Nationals in a trade, you're going to have to give up several players that are big league level, a ready and it's it's going to be quality players to get a guy have his quality there's no doubt he's by far, I think he's the best player in baseball. I think when you talk about offensively, he's twenty three years old. Twenty three years old, and he, he's going to be around a long time. And he's got such a great attitude. He's a he's a oh. gamer. He's a gamer. He wants to play every day. Mm-hmm. Those guys are quality guys. You don't find all the time. But to find to put together something, you're going to have to take part. You have to rip apart a part of your ball club, and you can take game ready players that can play on a major league level in order for them to get a trade. And I think that's the only way it's going to happen. If you go through the top 10 contracts in terms of position players in baseball. I mean, I know Mookie Betts is on that list, but it's a lot of players who don't have a lot around them because their their teams had to give up so much money to pay for that one player Absolutely. they couldn't afford elsewhere in, in the team kind of suffers because of it. It's about trying to find that balance if you can. I think the Brewers have a pretty good balance right now. I, I just don't see something like that despite how fun it is to picture, is ultimately going to happen. Augie, always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for jumping on Brewers Extra Innings. Oh, Gabe, first time uh, Extra Innings, this was a lot of fun. We talked a lot of baseball, got into it. That's what it's about. (laughs) It's about us talking some baseball, getting our fans involved, and letting them talk about the trades and possible things that are going to come up. But this is a Brewer ball club, I think, is really heading in the right direction. They started off 3-1 and now the second half. Now it's time for them to keep it up. And uh, it's all going to start tomorrow night with the Twins. We have hit the top of the hour. We're still more to come on Brewers Extra Innings. We'll hear from Craig Council. Continue to take your calls and text 855-616-1620 on your favorite and least favorite ballpark food item, plus how much you get into the trade deadline. That's all still coming up on Brewers Extra Innings. But first, let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center in Jasper Appleton. Swain, a fly ball out to left. Yelich back, still back, looking up, and the Rockies have taken the lead. Yeah, third run home run, or third inning home run, I should say, that uh, gave the Rockies a one nothing lead at the time. Ultimately, Rockies win 2 nothing over the Brewers tonight at American Family Field as the, uh, the Brewers uh, still take three out of the four games to open up their series against the Rockies post-All-Star break. Gabe Nigel with you. Four Brewers extra innings right here at American Family Field. Again, big shout-out to Jerry Augustine as... Our friend Homer from 94.5 ESPN likes to call him the doctor of pitching. Guy knows his stuff when it comes to uh, Brewers pitching. Brewers now 53 and 44. They will open up a series, just a quick two-game set against the Twins tomorrow night right here at AmFam Field. We are taking your calls. We're taking your texts. 855-616-1620. And a couple of things. 
how much are you allowing yourself to kind of imagine and picture some of the rumors that you see about the Milwaukee Brewers? Clearly one show to the biggest name out there. And MLB.com ran a story from Mike Feinsand. It, it came out late yesterday, and the, the question was, which three teams do you view as the favorites to trade for Juan Soto? Padres have eight, the Dodgers have seven, Cardinals, Mariners, Mets, Rays, Yankees all have three. But then there are, are, are the Brewers with one vote, same as the Blue Jays, same as the Red Sox, team that's been aggressive in the past in acquiring talent. Now, that, that puts them a far ways away from the Padres at eight, but do you allow yourself to picture that? Or are you more of a, yeah, it's not going to happen, so let's hope it doesn't happen with a team the Brewers are going to have to deal with like the St. Louis Cardinals. We're also asking you this, because there were a lot of people on my social media feed, on Twitter, that I was I was looking at as the game was going on. I'm sitting here at American Family Field. This has been happening throughout the course of the day. Uh, but the Choco Taco, which presumably is a semi-popular treat made by Klondike, they are discontinuing the Choco Taco. And there was a very vocal what I think is a minority, lamenting the disappearance now of the Choco Taco. And here's my problem. If the Choco Taco was so good, why would they be discontinuing it? Wouldn't they find a way to make sure they could have the Choco Taco available? But I digress. So my question to you, because I think the Choco Taco is overrated, uh, I am asking what's the best thing that you like to get at the ballpark? What is the worst thing? that you get at the ballpark when it comes to food. Like Tiffany from Hartford hits us up. 855-616-1620. Brachos. Tiffany says the brachos are really good, which if you have not had, is nachos with brat meat. They're fantastic out here. You've got to get them from the different stand, at one, not one of the main concession stands, but one of the standalone ones around the ballpark. They are fantastic. I think you can get them big enough where they can come in a helmet as well. Uh, she says the worst is popcorn. Now, I haven't had the popcorn at, at, at AmFam Field. I haven't had popcorn in a while. I feel that, for me at least, popcorn is very much a movie thing. Don't necessarily do it a lot at the ballpark. But popcorn's more traditional. And my one food that I'm going to say is traditional, that I think is maybe a little bit overrated when it comes to baseball games, and look, if you're a diehard baseball fan, if you're an old-school baseball fan, this is going to sit well with you because, well, it's in the song. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't have a problem with the Cracker Jack. I just think peanuts are might they might be out. I know you can buy the, the, the bag of peanuts in a lot of different uh, you know stands. I know they have sale. I saw them when I was here as a fan on Friday night. Went out to the little craft beer corner they have on the Loge level, and you can get a bag of peanuts. But I, I just think that the peanuts, it just the juice isn't worth the squeeze. You got it. It's not that hard to open them, but you got to open them. You're not getting that much per peanut when you're opening them, especially when you look around and, and see like the the, diff, the the nut stand that they have around. Have you, have you gone through this? You just I like getting the large, kind of comes in a cone. They uh, you know throw a little cinnamon, a little sugar on them. It just elevates the, the, the different nuts that they have, cashews, that whole thing. It elevates it a little bit. I think the peanut has been passed by just the plain peanut. You can get them in so many different ways, so many better. You can get them without the shell. Maybe some people enjoy opening the shell. But I think peanuts are among the overrated foods that you can find at a baseball game, in addition to 
in addition to Dippin' Dots. I don't even know if Dippin' Dots exist around the ballpark anymore, but you can't be the ice cream of the future for 20 years, for 40 years. You can't do it. At some point, the future's got to be here, and you've got to be either the ice cream and now, or you've got to move on. Plus, how much are you paying attention to trade rumors? With the trade deadline just about a week away, we'll continue to take your calls and texts, 855-616-1620. We will also hear from Brewers manager Craig Council, his reaction after the Brewers fall to the Rockies, 2 to nothing tonight at American Family Field. That's all coming up next on Brewers Extra Innings. Here is the pitch. Swinging a liner caught by Brendan Rodgers, and this game is over. Yeah, the unfortunate final out of tonight's game as the Brewers fall 2-0 to the Rockies here at American Family Field. Gabe Nitzel with you. Four Brewers extra innings tonight. Offense did not come to life until that ninth inning. That was the only inning in which the Brewers saw a runner get into scoring position. That's right, the ninth inning. First time they had a runner get to second base, and they had him loaded. Bases were juiced after the walk to Rowdy Telez, and Luis Urias lined out to second base to end tonight's ball game. But the Brewers did get a great outing from Aaron Ashby. First time he's been out on the mound since signing his extension this past weekend. And his manager, Craig Council, after the game, had high praise for his young lefty. I thought he pitched really, really well. Um, just... In the strike zone a ton, and I just think that, you know, when Aaron's in the strike zone a ton, he's, he's going to have success. Looked like it was all four pitches, four and two, or something. Yeah, I mean, I think he did everything well. Um, except he did a good job mixing pitches, um, kind of getting him on track, getting the pace going. Um, and uh, like I said, like if he just stays in the zone, there, there's, there's going to be good results. Can that be a tough day for a young guy? He has this huge life moment two days ago, and this is his first time to pitch since signing that extension. I think I think uh, Ash has had a bunch of good days here last last week. So I would I would say he's had a bunch of good days and um, use that uh, to to be good tonight. What was it about? Um... Freeland and a couple guys in the bullpen for the Rockies that kind of well against Well, I mean, I think Freeland, um, he just he just pitched really well, um, you know. And our, and when we got, you know, our our guys when we got into some good counts, um, you know, we just nothing happened. Willie had a good count. The cuts lined out in a good count. Hunter grounded out. Bross grounded out. You know, we got when we got into the three-one counts or whatever, we just we just couldn't make anything happen. And that's, you know, largely because his his soft stuff was was good and kind of got it got us in between. Um, you know, regardless of the count. Sure. Had sort of all the guys up and yeah, we, I mean we put a good ninth together, um, you know, and, and we had a good at bat. I mean, you, you can't ask for anything more than that. Rowdy had a nice at bat, to Yelly had a nice at bat, so gave ourselves a, a a real good chance. Made ourselves a tough beat against a, a really good pitcher. And that was the story tonight for the Brewers. That's manager Craig Council following tonight's loss by the Crew to nothing to the Rockies and. You know, there are a couple of texts here on the uh, the talking text line, 855-616-1620, uh, where, you know, the, man, this was a winnable game. I can't believe, yeah, it was a winnable game. It is one game could potentially come back and hurt you later. But 
the way that this is just going to work out, you win three out of four against the Rockies, and you feel good. You move on. You you win series, and you move on. That's how a lot of these teams look at it. That's how a lot of these teams uh, approach you know each and every series and winning three out of four games. That's taking care to me. That's taking care of business. It would have been great to win four in a row against the Rockies, and I don't think the Brewers looked disinterested tonight. I think it was just um, you know you had a guy in in Freeland who. Hasn't had a good year. ERA is north four and a half, close to five coming into tonight. And he goes out there and shows why the Rockies gave him a pretty decent contract, why he was an all-star not that long ago. He still has that in there, just hasn't been able to find it as consistent. And he was able to find it tonight against a Brewers lineup that, uh, that could only draw one walk, didn't have an extra base hits tonight. And the way that the game is played today, not having any of those extra base hits, it, it's going to be tough. doesn't matter who you're facing to string together three consecutive singles in an inning, four singles in an inning to score or play a couple of runs. It's going to be tough to, to win games like that. And the Brewers tried to manufacture a run. You saw uh, Luis Arias got caught stealing in the game as well. And you just had to have that old-fashioned pitcher's duel tonight with Freeland taking on Ashby. Both go seven innings. Uh, combined, they strike out 16, only two walks between the two of them. And the big one was a Diaz homer. Diaz hits a home run in the third. You, you get an extra base hit from the Rockies in the fifth. Eventually, that leads to a sacrifice fly and a run. And that's the difference. Three extra base hits, a couple of doubles, the dinger for Colorado. Brewers don't get anything going offensively. Ultimately, they fall tonight to, to nothing. But when you look at the standings, you still feel good about where you are as the Brewers on top of the division in the National League Central, two games ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals before the crew open up a series tomorrow night against the Minnesota Twins. We'll continue to take a look at that out-of-town scoreboard. We'll continue to take your calls and texts about your favorite ballpark food items, your least favorite ballpark food items, plus what trade rumors do you pay attention to? What do you allow yourself to picture and fantasize about as the trade deadline approaches for Major League Baseball as we wrap up Brewers Extra Innings coming up next. One ball and no strikes. Throw to first. Hey, they got him. That move by Brent Suter. He picked Hilliard off, and he had him. Well, it was a great pickoff move by Suter as well. Hilliard trying to swim his way back into the base, but a good tag applied, and the Brewers getting him in the ninth inning. But ultimately, the crew fall 2-0 to the Rockies. Still win the series three games out of four. No home runs, though, for the crew today. I was kind of hoping maybe Hunter Renfro could keep that going after hitting a home run in each of the first three games. Did not do that tonight. Uh, so no home runs for the crew tonight. Even when it's not red kettle season, you can still help the Salvation Army step up to the plate with love beyond the bases this baseball season. Donate now. Ring the bell at SalvationArmy.org. Brewers opening up a series quick two-game set against the Twins tomorrow it's going to be a new face starting for the crew tomorrow. We're going to tell you about that guy. Coming up next, Brewers Extra Innings, WTMJ. The stretch and the pitch. Strike three call. Fastball down the middle at the knees, and Arias was thinking they were going in. Wasn't looking for that. Brewers fall to the Colorado Rockies. 2-0 tonight at American Family Field. 
Gabe Nigel with you. Brewers extra innings. Looking forward now for the crew. Two-game series begins tomorrow here at American Family Field against the Minnesota Twins. Twins and Brew Crew split a series earlier this year up in Minnesota. Now the two games that they play every year be here in Milwaukee. Dylan Bundy starting tomorrow for the Twins. 6-4, 4. 4.71 ERA. For a while it was TBD. For the Brewers, on who is going to be pitching, well, it was announced today that Ethan Small is going to be called up for the crew. Ethan has uh, one start under his belt this year is against the Chicago Cubs. And Ethan took a no decision, two runs, four hits, four walks, and two and two-thirds innings after he made that debut on Memorial Day at Wrigley Field. The command seems to be the big thing for Small. He's the Brewers' number eight prospect uh, and top pitching prospect by MLB Pipeline. And Ethan's pitched well in AAA this year. 81 strikeouts, 72 and two-thirds innings, 6-4 and four record, 3.34 ERA, but it is the walks that can get away from him from time to time, so that's going to be key for him tomorrow. Good news for the crew. they got a good start tonight. The bullpen should be, for the most part, rested and ready to go for that game tomorrow in case Ethan Small cannot work deep into the game the way Aaron Ashby did tonight. Brewers fall tonight. By the final of 2 nothing to the Colorado Rockies, but still have a two-game lead over the Cardinals in the National League Central Division. That'll do it for us here from American Family Field. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Brewers Extra Innings.